We're going through this series called uh, Book It, and we're looking at Scripture and kind of, we're, we're not kind of, we're looking at five questions really pertaining to what, uh, what Scripture is about, who wrote it, uh, is it true, everything we need to know about God's Word. And so the question we're going to look at tonight is, is truly a massive question in Christian theology. I mean, when we look at the Bible, we have to ask ourselves, can we trust that every word, every story, every part of what it says is true? And the answer to this question radically affects not only like the way we view this book, but, but how we view our lives based around this book. I mean, if even a little is, or is untrue, then it calls the whole book into question, right? Like if, if, if you were reading a book that was about, uh, you know, a, it was a historical book about a past president, let's say, and it said like he was born in Oklahoma. Okay, no president's been born in Oklahoma. So like then that book, you have to then go, wow, if that part's untrue, I don't even know if anything else is, is true, right? So... If one part of the Bible is untrue, then we have to call into question the rest of the Bible. And, and honestly, if I'm going to stake my life, my, my family's lives, my, my reputation, my eternal standing on a book, then I better do my best to make sure that that book is true. Right? Like, I mean, if I'm going to be like, okay, I'm placing my eternal standing on this book. I have to know whether or not it's true. So last week we really looked at the idea of is the Bible divinely inspired by God alone? Which, as we looked at the survey that I gave you guys the first week, and I understand not everyone that's here tonight was here for the survey, uh, but most of you guys put yes to that question, is the Bible divinely inspired by God? And so I hoped that this... that. Last week's lesson really reinforced that belief. Or if you were one of the few people who put no or unsure, I hope that I was able to prove to you that the Bible is the holy and inspired word of God. However, if you weren't, that's, that's okay. Um, but feel free to come ask me any questions still about what we talked about last week or the weeks before. I'm always happy to answer your questions if you have them. Anything that may come up today as well. So that leaves us, if we are to believe what we talked about last week, and again, most of you said yes, and if you didn't, I'm hoping I convinced you. So let's just, if you're still like, nope, I'm not, let's just pretend for a second that we're all in the same place, and that we all believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired Word of God. So for the Bible to be true, we either need... God to be proved to be true at all times, or the Bible to somehow be proved true at all times. Because if God is always true, then his word would then always have to be true. So we can either prove God's true or the Bible's true. Those are kind of our two options. Well, as we talked about last week, anytime you're dealing with this ultimate authority, like who gives ultimate authority to the ultimate authority, like it's... it's a circular argument that really, realistically, can't be like totally proven, right? And, and so if we're looking at this idea of, is God always true? Like, well, 
if you believe Christianity, God defines what is true and untrue, what is right and wrong. And so we, we realistically, like to a non-Christian, can't prove that God is true just based on the idea that God is true. So we have a better chance or, or a more realistic opportunity to prove that the Bible is true. Now, I think that this, uh, this again, this idea uh, of, of jumping into this question is, is the Bible true, is an enormous one to try to tackle, and especially to try to do it in 30 minutes here. And so we're going to kind of fly through this. And again, if you guys have any questions when we get to the end of this, please come ask me. But we're going to look at, is the Bible true? Now, I think it's interesting because when we looked at the survey, whenever I looked at the survey, the two questions that were really about the Bible being true or all parts of the Bible being true had actually the lowest yes totals of any of the questions other than do you read the Bible regularly? That was kind of like an offset question, right? That wasn't really a right or wrong one. But the first question that pertained to it is, is the Bible fully true and trustworthy? We had 10 yeses, three no's, and three unsures. 10 was the second lowest yes total of any of the questions. And the, Bi- the second question was, the Bible is totally accurate in all the principles that it teaches. And get this, this one was seven yeses, two no's, and eight unsures. It was actually the only question on the survey, other than do you read the Bible regularly, that yes was not the top answer. And so we can understand tonight that not only in our world, not only in our schools, not only in our families and our groups, but in this youth group alone, the question of, is the Bible totally accurate in all that it teaches, is a real question to be uncovered. Something we desperately need to talk about. So I'm hoping that everyone's tuned in tonight, because like I said, we're going we're gonna to totally fly through this. But um, so... The first thing I wanted to understand is where does all this unsuredness about the truth of the Bible come from? And honestly, I think it comes from our culture, right? Our society. If you constantly look around, we're being berated about what the Bible teaches and how it could be labeled hate speech or it's against common sense or whatever Whatever you want to say, I mean, I've heard it, you've heard it, we've all heard it, that the Bible is this old, outdated, and, and like too old and outdated for modern culture, right? And in fact, I was watching a, a YouTube video today kind of talking about this, and the guy said, he was questioning a pastor about some stuff, and he said, well, don't you think the Bible needs to be updated? And the pastor was like, do you even realize what you're saying? Like, update the Bible. Like, yes, we need to change the Bible based on what's going on in our culture today. Which, believe it or not, a lot of people try to do that. But, we hear this all the time. That the Bible is not something that is still pertinent and, and important and real and accurate for us in today's society. And... Let me give you a tip right now. Uh, this is just here. Uh, this is like Brian's blessings. I don't know. So, so I'm going to give you a tip real quick. If you ever hear someone ask you, ask you a question and go, did God really say to something that you know for a matter of fact is in God's word? Like if it says, did, did God really say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Okay, we know explicitly that's in scripture. So if you hear someone say, did God really say, it is a huge like red flag. 
Okay, because do you know what the phrase did God really say? Do you know what's important about that phrase? This is yes, this is no. Okay, did God really say was the exact way that the serpent deceived Eve. Did God really say that you're not to eat of this tree? Did God really say is a question that I get asked a lot or like, does the Bible really say? Does the Bible actually say? We played a game. Obviously, that's you see the tide of the game now, right? People always say, does the Bible really say this? If you look at Genesis 3, it says, The serpent said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Guys, if you think that you're the first person to be unsure whether or not God's word is true or not, uh, the first woman ever created by God who committed the first sin, who condemned the world, was tricked into doing something because she was unsure about what God said. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're questioning whether or not the Bible is true, you are most definitely not the first human who has ever struggled with that. It was literally the, one of the first two humans that, that ever lived that, has, that struggled with this exact question of what did God really say. And thousands and thousands of years later, we're still beating ourselves up over the same exact question. In fact, there have been many councils and conventions over the course of church history that have been created to try to answer the question, is the Bible true? And the most recent of these was in 1978. This is just very brief, I promise. In Chicago, they formed the Chicago Statement of Bible Inerrancy, which inerrancy is just a really fancy church word to mean like it's perfect. Okay, and so this was in 1978 and 200 evangelical leaders got together and they came up with 19 statements about the Bible's inerrancy. Okay, and so you can see some of these in our in what we're going to talk about tonight. And and you know what? Honestly, these 19 statements I could get up to here and I could read the 19 statements to you and they would sound really good because I read them all and they sound really good. But I don't think that's the best use of our time because I don't think that everyone would be like, oh, yeah, I totally understand these really wordy, like churchy answers to like the Bible. So. What I want to do, and, and honestly, if you guys want to look up the Chicago statements of biblical inerrancy on your own time, I would challenge you to do that. It's a great read. It helps you really understand what Christians believe. But, uh, you know, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to rather ask you a question. And I'm going to ask you what the question is. I'm going to say some things, but I want you to think about it. How do you know if something's true? Can you mute that? I don't know what it is, but just mute the computer or something. How do you know if something is true? And, and your answers to this question of how do we know something is true will help me to better know how to prove to you that the Bible is true, right? Because if you say, oh, I know something's true because I have to experience it firsthand. That's the only way I can know that something's true is if I see it with my own eyes. Then it's going to be really hard for me to... Prove to you that the, hey, pull the USB thing out. I think that's what it is, um, of the soundboard. Um, if you have to personally see it yourself, then you're, I'm not going to be able to really prove you because I can't, like, I don't have a time machine that I can send you back in time to biblical times so that you can experience the Bible firsthand. 
But if your answer is, I just need like proof. I need to know that what I believe is like historically, whatever. I, that I can work with, right? So think about for a second how you know something's true. Because I could get up here and I could use a bunch of big churchy words like infallibility and inerrancy and the differences between the two and why they're both important. And, but it'd be a big waste of time because if I'm not proving to you guys that the Bible is true in the way that you need it proved to you that it's true, then I'm just wasting my time up here. So let me ask you again, and this time I want a couple of responses. How do you know if something's true? Well, if it makes, if it makes logical sense, where, right? right okay, so if it makes logical sense, okay? As close to science as you can. As close? Like, like historically accurate. Okay, as close to scientifically and historically accurate as you can get. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so like, you know when you search something on the web and you have a website and like, it pulls up and you don't know if it's true or not? Wikipedia? Yes, I use Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> like, you find different sources stating the same thing, um, so you know. Yeah, okay. So multiple, multiple things stating the same thing. Okay, that, that's good. What? If nothing can prove it wrong, ever played the game Clue? That's my favorite part is when you're like, I think Mr. Green did it in the, in the conservatory with the knife. Can you prove me wrong? And everyone's like, no. And you're like, ha ha, no one can prove me wrong. So I know that's the answer. Okay, yeah. So if it can't be proved wrong, it's possibly a valid answer. Okay. Okay, so a logical, so maybe connecting the dots, being able to follow the, what is it called? The, uh, oh shoot, the transitive property. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Beautiful right there. Jesse, what'd you say? Okay. So, so maybe something you've experienced in your life that you can relate to in the Bible. That's good. Like, oh, yeah, perfect. Anything else? How do we know that something's true? This could be like if your sibling or your friend or someone runs up to you and says, the building's on fire. How, how do you know that that's true? Like how, how okay, you, you use your senses, you observe, right? That's a good one, okay? So we observe, maybe we experience. We already talked about that. If you have to experience, you know, no time machines here, sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, so again, observations of, of, of things other than the exact event. So, oh, there's people running away from the building that they say is on fire, so it's probably on fire or Godzilla's coming. So... We can narrow it down there. Grace? Okay, so it can prove itself to be true. How does something prove itself to be true? Okay. Okay. We talked about that a little last week. Uh, so that the Bible makes a bunch of predictions, a bunch of prophecies, and, and we see those come true. Um, <clears throat> and so... Okay, so maybe if something's unbiased, like if you're like, oh, they're not just writing that because 
they want me to like buy a copy of the like oh they're not just saying that because we they want me to buy their monthly subscription to whatever like like they're saying it because it's really true okay so yeah back to the Okay. Okay. So yeah, back to back to if no one can disprove it, then it has to be right. Okay. So here's the thing. I love all your answers. Those are all wonderful, wonderful answers. And unfortunately, I didn't have those answers while I was writing this lesson, so I wasn't able to like custom make this lesson to fit all of your answers and all the ways to prove you wrong, prove that the Bible is true, not prove you wrong. You're wrong. Um, no, but. Prove that the Bible's true. Uh, so what I did is I looked up, I think it's like six of the biggest questions that get raised against the Bible. And I think that at least out of these six, you will hear one or six that you have heard in your own life or heard someone bring up about Scripture. And I'm going to try to debunk these questions to the best of my ability. Because if we have, let's say, let's say that someone asks Six big questions against the Bible or make six statements against the Bible. Like our first one is that it was written by humans who are not perfect. Therefore, it cannot be perfect and perfect equals true. So it cannot be true because it was written by humans. Okay. Um, so or and humans can lie. Obviously, they have the ability to do that. Um, so so let's say that someone makes six statements like that. If I'm able to that. If I'm able, if those are the only six statements that prove that the Bible is not true, and I'm able to step up and answer all six of those statements, then what? The Bible's true, right? So if we can answer all questions about Scripture, or, or doubts about Scripture, we should say, if we can answer all doubts about Scripture, then we can know that Scripture's true. And, and, and <laughs> I'm going to try to be nice about this because some of these questions, like, and I'm being very legitimate whenever I say this, you're going to hear this and you'll be like, oh, wow, that's a good question. I hear people say, but the answer to it is like really dumb. Okay. Like it's so dumb that I feel like I'm being rude towards people who believe this. So please don't get offended if you're like, oh, I believe that. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay. Like I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm just saying like, it doesn't make sense to really believe this, this stance against the Bible. Right. So this first one is actually a pretty good one, right? Humans can lie, right? And humans wrote the Bible and humans aren't perfect. Therefore, they can't write something that is 100% perfect, 100% true. True. Okay, so here's the thing. True does equal perfect, right? Perfect and true are like, they're the same thing, right? But to do something perfect doesn't mean that you're always perfect, does that make sense? Like you can do something perfectly, but it doesn't mean that you're always perfect. So for example, you can score a 100 on a test, but it doesn't mean that you always tell the truth, right? Like, okay, you just told the truth or put the right answer on the questions on the test, but you don't always tell the truth. Nor does this mean that you have full knowledge of something. You can pass your ninth grade physics test, but you probably can't pass a physics exam to get into MIT. Right? Like we can understand that we can pass a, we can understand 
something perfectly, but not have a full understanding of all the knowledge related to that topic, right? So we can begin to think, we, we can't begin to think or claim that the writers had God's knowledge or were God's themselves. Some people actually believe that the people who wrote parts of the Bible were like deities, right? They were God, like in a way that they were other messiahs or other forms of God, They weren't gods. They were just humans. They were simply communicating God's words and instructions to us. Now, now let me see if I can explain this to you in a different way. If we brought in a professional sound technician, someone who could like hook up the soundboard and all the instruments and like they did it for like big time concerts at the amp or whatever, like they were a professional sound technician and they came in and they know everything about sound systems and they they came down here and they said hey uh whenever you guys have your next service please tell your guitar player to always plug their guitar into slot number three or it will mess up the entire system okay so i'm thinking to myself wow this is important i should probably write that down okay and so i write a note and put it on Jacob's stand here that says, Jacob, please always plug your guitar into spot number three or it will mess up the whole system. Now, I am far from a perfect person. but And, I, and I've told many lies in my life. I'll be the first to admit that. But in that moment, I wrote the truth. Right? I wrote that if he plugs into anything other than three, it'll mess the system up. Additionally... I know very little about sound systems and I have no idea how they work, all the electronics and like all the plugs and everything like that. The authors didn't need to be perfect people and they didn't need to fully understand why if he plugged it into slot number four, it would mess everything up. They didn't need to know everything about who God was or what his plan was. They just simply had to write down everything about God that they, they didn't have to understand everything about God. They just had to write down what he told them. And another part of this are people that say that they reported false statements. Okay. So you see this like in first Samuel 27, one, it says, then David said in his heart, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. And we know that David did not perish at the hand of Saul. So why does the Bible say that David thought he would perish at the hand of Saul? Well, okay, that's a true statement, right? David thought that. It doesn't have to come true, but David can think that. Like saying that David thought that is true. If, if I held up a blue marker and I said, hey, Grace, what color is this marker? And, mar- and she goes, that marker is green. And I said, Jacob, what did she just say? And he said, Grace said the marker was green. Is Jacob telling the truth or is he lying? Truth. He's telling the truth because Grace did say that the marker was green, but the marker is not green. So he can, he can tell the truth while having a lie in it. Does that make sense? And so when you look at scripture and you see quotes and it says, oh, they said this and that was not accurate. That doesn't mean that the Bible's not true. It just means that they're reporting something that wasn't true. Does that make sense? Okay. So if you are truthfully reporting falseness, it doesn't make it make it false reporting. I know that sounds confusing. If you are truthfully reporting falsities. It doesn't make your reporting false. 
So that's the first question that the Bible is written by men, and so it can't be perfect. Second question, why don't we have the original autographs of the Bible? So it's no longer the inerrant word of God, because we believe that only the original writings, the original autographs of the Bible are the inerrant word of God. And to this one, I say, next time you're in science class, raise your hand and ask your teacher if you have the original copy of the textbook, because you reject to learn their science lesson unless you have the original copy of the textbook and see how that goes for you. Okay, that will not go well. And and we sit here or or if you're in physics class and the teacher goes, okay, we're going to learn about gravity. I'm like, do you have Newton's notes? Because I don't believe that gravity exists unless Newton's notes are on the desk in front of me. Like, we sit here and we laugh about that because that sounds completely ridiculous. But people have, over, every day people are driven away from the truth of God's word because they believe this. Right? They believe that, oh, the Bible the Bible's not true because we don't have the original manuscripts. But sure, I'll read the 18th edition of this history book that's been changed millions of times. Like, people like to pretend that the Bible is basically a 10,000-year-old game of telephone. And that nothing is the way that it originally was, when in reality, the Bible is actually the most textually credible historical source known to man. It is the most credible historical source known to man. There are thousands more manuscripts of the original autographs, that means copies of the original autographs, than there are, that, than there are any other writing. That doesn't mean there's just a thousand of this one and there's also thousands of... There's thousands more than the next credible source. The Bible is far and away the most historically credible book. Maybe back then people thought what was in the Bible was important, so they should write it down very carefully. I don't know. But the earliest manuscripts are dated to within decades of the original autographs. And in fact... Of these thousands of manuscripts, they are approximately 99.55% textually consistent. This means if you look at them, only 1 in 200 words, which there's a lot of words in the Bible, so 1 in 200 is a lot of words, but 1 in 200 words is different in one of the manuscripts of these thousands of manuscripts, meaning that all the other manuscripts can be the same and one person wrote it wrong and we have to go, ah, sorry, that's a ding. But 99.5 out of thousands of manuscripts, we know that the Bible is accurate. We know that it, whether, again, whether or not it's true is a different question. But this is not a way to prove the Bible is not true because we know that it's accurate according to the autographs because of the textual uh, backing that we have. Our third question The Bible is in contradiction to science and history. Okay, we had someone specifically bring up science and history and needing that to prove the Bible's true. But this is a big belief that the Bible is in contradiction to science and history. Now, if you want to go and like be like, oh, I believe that the Big Bang happened without nothing causing it, which makes no sense. There, something had to cause the bang to happen, but whatever. Um, but if you want to believe that, it's really hard to... Like frame that inside the a God that created everything. And even if you want to be like, God made the big bang happen, like you could, but whatever. But this gets more into like the miracles that happen in the old Testament or the miracles that Jesus performs. Uh, 
And you might be sitting out there thinking, is there harm in not believing every single miracle or story in the Bible, but still believing that Jesus is who he said he was and that he died on the cross and blah, blah, blah. And we won't go deeply into this because we could go off on a big theological tangent. But if you don't believe that every aspect of the Bible is true, then you can't believe that any aspect of the Bible is true, right? So if you don't believe that Noah's Ark was a real thing and that God flooded the earth in 40 days and that only one family survived on a boat, or you don't believe that Jonah was really swallowed up in the belly of a well for three days, or you don't believe whatever story from the Bible that sounds crazy, then you can't also believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died to atone for your sins. can't believe it. Our belief has to be consistent. We look at Matthew 12, 41. Jesus literally talks about Jonah and Nineveh. And if we don't believe in Jonah and the whale, then Jesus lied and therefore he is not who he said he was. He can't be the perfect lamb of God and he can't die for our sins. Boom. Just like that. You don't believe in Jonah. You don't go to heaven. Okay. That sounds really weird, but you see how I got there. <clears throat> so guys, um, and if you're looking at so that's from more of a scientific perspective. Okay. And from a historical perspective, there have been not hundreds, but thousands of archeological finds that support biblical records. Okay, so like the Bible says, oh, they set up their temples like this and they've unearthed temples that looked exactly like what the Bible says. Okay, so there's not just hundreds, but there's thousands of archaeological proofs of biblical record. And in contrast, and to Caitlin's point, there have been zero, not a single one uh, archaeological discovery that has been in contrast to the Bible or against, like they say, oh, this room was this size. And they're like, oh, sorry, you were off by a foot. No, they haven't found an archaeological dis discovery that disproves the Bible. Guys, science and history prove the Bible is true, not the other way around. So don't let anyone tell you that science and history pro are, prove the Bible is not true. Uh, fourth question. The Bible does not have modern technical precision. That's big words, okay? It basically means that... They weren't as smart as we are now, I guess. So if you look at 2 Chronicles 4.2, it says it was round 10 cubits, which is a unit of measure. It's like inches. 10 cubits from brim to brim and five cubits high. The line of 30 cubits measured its circum circumference. Okay. Who can name the most digits of pi? Okay. 3.1415926. So that's about as far as I can go. Okay. But we seriously sit here and when we use pi... Okay, when we use pi, what do we type in our calculators? 3.14, right? We round, okay? So back then, they did not know what pi was. Well, they may have known what like num, 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 pi was, but they didn't know what like circle pi was, okay? Num, num, num. Um, they didn't know what pi was, and so they just used three, which you could round and use. That's 3.1 for crying out loud. And if you do the math, 10 cubits from brim to brim times three is 30 cubits around the circumference, okay? So just because they rounded a little bit and didn't have the technical precision that we have today does not mean that it was wrong, okay? Just because you're like, oh, well, it should be uh, 31.4 cubits around the rim. Like, okay, it says 30 and you're gonna be like really mathy and say 31.4. That doesn't mean the Bible's wrong, right? Just because we have more knowledge and understanding of math and science today. Uh, in the same way, uh, when it says, if you watch the news and they said 45,000 people gathered today in Fayetteville to watch the Razorbacks take on whoever, 
you wouldn't go, oh my gosh, those big fat liars. There was actually 45,396. You would go, okay, there were 45,000 people who gathered in the stadium today. For, for counting large numbers and like trying to be really precise, rounding is a thing that happens, guys, okay? And so when you look at the Bible, like Numbers 25.9, it says, those who died by the plague were 24,000. Doesn't mean exactly 24,000 people died. And just because 24,001 people died does not mean the Bible was wrong, right? Do we understand that? Like in the same way you wouldn't say, oh, 45,000 people gathered in Fayetteville today. Like you wouldn't call the news anchor a liar for saying that. You wouldn't call the Bible a liar. Or 1 Corinthians 10, 8, when it says 23,000 fell dead in a single day. Okay, could have been more they were rounding to a big number. We have to understand that they are rounding for the sake of reporting and understand that these numbers aren't exact. Fifth question. Sorry, I'm trying to get through this. The Bible uses hyperbole metaphors and other literary devices to make points, okay? Obviously, Jesus used a bunch of parables that weren't real stories, okay? So you can't sit here and say, well, there was not really the one sheep out of the 99 that got lost. That the, like, that didn't really happen. There wasn't a lady who lost her coin and went looking for it. Like, okay, he used parables to teach. But in the same way, Jesus uses uh different literary devices to make points. So in Matthew 12, 42, he says, she came from the ends of the earth. And I kid you not, people say that that is a basis to believe that the earth is flat and she literally came from the edge of it because Jesus said so. Okay, I, I tell you, I'm not trying to call anyone dumb for believing that, but that is mind boggling to me. Jesus is simply using hyperbole to make a statement, right? Uh, it doesn't mean that the earth is flat. And in Mark 11, 20, 12 through 21, <clears throat> we see that the order of events and the timeline doesn't really work out. Real brief summary of the story. Jesus is hungry. He finds a fig tree. It has no figs on it. He says, I hate you, fig tree, die. No, he says, you shall no longer bear fruit because you did not bear me fruit and I was hungry kind of thing. You can read it. And he curses it. And then the next morning, the disciples wake up and the fig tree's dead. Okay. And then they go into Jerusalem and Jesus basically does the same thing to the church. He says, you're not being fruitful in your ministry. I'm condemning you. And then the church is destroyed. Okay. Not like in a like building falling down since, but it's like disbanded. Okay. And the way that Mark wrote it is he put Jesus curses the fig tree. He gets onto the church for not bearing fruit. And then they see that the, uh, the fruit there, the fig tree is withered. Okay. It didn't happen in that order. But it makes literary sense to tell that because it, it teaches the point that the church was not bearing fruit. Do we understand? So just because something doesn't always work out, it, it's used for literary sense. Or in Matt, Luke 19 and Matthew 21, Jesus is riding into the city and we see them say that the crowds were shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's Luke 19. And in Luke 21 it says... They were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, we have two different things that the crowd was shouting. So clearly the Bible's false, right? Two different people reported. Again, I'm going to take you back to the 45,000 people at an Arkansas stadium. They could call the hogs and someone could go home and be like, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. They all went, woo, pig suey. And it was sweet. Okay. And then someone else could be like, the refs made a bad call and the whole crowd booed. And they thought it was the coolest thing ever. And they go home and they'd be like, the crowd yelled, boo. Okay. They're both telling the truth, but they're both telling different things that the crowd said. Right. 
So just because two people say different things that the crowd said doesn't mean that the Bible is not true. Does that make sense? Yes? No? Moving on. Okay. So our last one, and it's a big one, and I'm going to have to fly through it. I'm sorry. But our last statement is that the Bible contradicts itself. Oh my gosh, I hear this one all the time. And next time someone says the Bible contradicts itself, say, where? Okay? Because, yes, there are parts of the Bible that seem to contradict itself, but so few people actually know where they are, and there's so few of them that people like to just throw that around and they have no idea. Okay, they'll be like, the Bible contradicts itself. You go, where? They'll go, well, I don't know, but this person on TV told me. Like, okay, well, then look it up for yourself and then come back to me and try to prove to me that the Bible contradicts itself. But, for example, a place where it seems to contradict itself, I'll give you one right now, is 2 Samuel 24, 9. It says, 800,000 drew the sword and 500,000 of them were in the clan of Judah. Okay, so we have 800,000 and of those 500,000 were in Judah. And in 1 Chronicles 21, 5, it says the exact same reporting at the exact same time. That 1.1 million drew the sword and 470,000 were from Judah. So why do these numbers not match if they were the same reporting? Okay, does not make sense. That's not okay, right? The Bible is no longer true. Okay, here's the deal. When we're looking at how many were from Judah, it's 470,000 and 500,000. Okay, that's a rounding thing. Like, it makes a lot more sense to say 500,000 than to count out specifically to 470. So let's ignore that one for a second. But 800,000 to 1.1 million is a big discrepancy, right? That's a big, big mistake. That's not a rounding error. Here's the deal, though. People look at those two verses and they sit there and they say, Oh, the Bible contradicts itself. Not true. Christians are dumb. Okay. If you read 1 Chronicles 22, 6, literally the next verse, it says, But he did not include Levi and Benjamin's tribes in the numbering. So literally in the 1.1 million, he was not supposed to report two of the tribes. And I don't know for sure. I, I don't know the numbers. But all I can guess is that those two tribes alone, probably in the neighborhood of 300,000. Okay, so we have to realize that when we see things that contradict themselves, we have to examine it further. We can't just look at the surface. People always want to to use surface level things to try to disprove Christianity. We always have to look deeper than the surface surface. It takes some very minor research to prove that the Bible does not contradict itself in that situation. Now, there are other parts of the Bible contradictions that are a little bit harder to explain. If you want to those, we can get into that another time, not tonight. But don't allow people who are skimming the surface to ask you, did God really say? And lead you away from the truth of God's word. But rather have confidence in all the truth we see in scripture. And what's funny is, how many of you guys probably could have picked out those verses that I did to prove these examples? Like, they're obscure verses. And so we look at... The entirety of scripture and we're picking out like these single individual like weird verses throughout scripture to try to people are just looking for ways to poke holes because there's so much truth in scripture. Like if if the Bible was like easy to poke holes in people would do it like all the time and they would have tons of evidence but they don't come after most of it because there's no leg to stand on they have to try to find the really weird obscure things but don't 
have confidence in the truth that you know from God's word and don't allow them to shake you and know that we don't and won't ever on this side of heaven have all the facts or answers. Okay, that's just true. We won't know everything on this side of heaven, but we can have confidence that anything that we see that we have questions about, that those the answers to those questions will become clear in the end. We can have confidence in that because of the truth that we do see in God's word. And so if you're still struggling tonight with is the Bible fully true, I would challenge you to try to find a way, go, go to what Caitlin was saying and try to find a way that the Bible isn't true. And if you do, come talk to me about it and we'll examine it. I'm not going to just be like, oh, no, you're I'm going to force my like proof on you. OK, no, if you truly find something that proves that the Bible is not true, we'll examine it, we'll look at it, we'll research it, and we'll try to find the true answer to it. Because honestly, if you can genuinely prove that the Bible isn't true, my gosh, not only do I need to know that because I believe the Bible, but uh, there's a lot of people on earth who probably need to know the Bible's not true because they're believing it too. But I can tell you right now, people have worked for thousands of years to prove that the Bible isn't true, and the fact that Christianity is still one of, if not the largest religion in the world, says something about the truth found in Scripture. I'm going to pray for you guys and we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in it, that we can see in it. And I just pray that you would give us strength to stand up to all the people who oppose it, all the people who try to say that it isn't true, that you would give us the knowledge and the understanding to be able to refute them and to show them the truth of your word. But not just that, God, that we would just lead them to your throne, lead them to salvation through the magnificence of the truth in your word, God. I pray that you would strengthen us in our knowledge of the Bible, God, and that you would help us to understand it as we read it and hide it in our hearts. Pray a blessing on all these students as we go from here. It's in Jesus' name.